Welcome to Heart of a Shepherd, a podcast from Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistadt, Wisconsin. Now, here's Trinity's Rick Adams, Angela Axtman, and Pastor Carl Leyenbauer. Welcome back again, everybody. Rick Adams here, Director of Discipleship at Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistadt with our senior pastor, Carl Leyenbauer. Hi, Rick. Once again, minus Angela Axman. She will be back in a few weeks, but we will forge on without her. And today we uh, pick up where we left off in our last podcast. We were in Luke 3, and we had spent some time talking about the introduction of John the Baptist and his ministry. Mm-hmm. And today we're going to start in verse 21, where we're going to encounter, we're only really going to focus on three verses today, but those three verses are rich in and impactful content for us yep. in the baptism of Jesus. So, Pastor Carl, why don't you start us off or introduce us to where we're going today? Yeah, so we're coming out of having talked about John the Baptist and the the pattern in Luke's gospel up to this point is you're introduced to John and then he's surpassed by Jesus. You get John's, his miraculous birth and you get Jesus' miraculous birth. And, and we've seen John's ministry and now we're going to see Jesus' ministry and it's going to become a whole lot more spectacular than than what we saw in those twenty verses that focused on John. Uh, but John's work so so critical that conviction of sin uh, that we talked about last time that that lays the groundwork for the gospel. And as we think about bringing the love of God into the lives of the people that we love, it it does have to start with being aware of our sin. So John John paved the way, and then where we left off, he got thrown in prison. He opposed the powerful. And Herod added uh, this evil thing to all the other ones he had done. He locked up John in prison. And that's where John sits as far as Luke uh, lets us know. But this is going to take a little flashback here because even though Luke doesn't mention it, uh, John, we know, was was present for the baptism of Jesus. Jesus came to John for baptism. And that's where we are in verse 21. Mm -hmm. So I'll read this. Now, when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. And now the rest of the chapter is uh, Luke's genealogy of Jesus. Begins Jesus when he began his ministry was about 30 years of age. Being the son as was supposed of Joseph. And then we get a lot of the son of Haley, the son of Mathot, the son of Levi. We hit some big names. We hear uh, David and, and his ancestors, Jesse and Obed. Uh, until you get to all the way back to Noah, and then all the way back, Luke takes us to where we realize that Jesus was the the son of Enos, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. Right. And uh, we won't read the rest of the names because I think we'd all struggle with that. (laughs) (laughs) And this isn't the only place in the Gospels where we get genealogy of Jesus. Matthew does it too. Right. It's interesting, Matthew's genealogy takes Jesus' ancestry to Abraham. And stops there. And we find out in Matthew's account of some interesting characters in Jesus's mm-hmm. ancestry, including some Gentiles, mm-hmm. Rahab and uh, Ruth, mm-hmm. who married Boaz. And that's that great account from the book of Ruth, which happened, I believe, during the time of the judges, right. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. yeah. And so we just felt like there was enough here today in these three verses of 21 to 23 because 
Jesus' baptism is so instructive for us about who he is, who, what his ministry was uh, intended to do, and what it accomplished, and how it impacts us today. So I, the first question I have for you is, why was it necessary for Jesus, who is mm-hmm. God and perfect and pure in every way, why was it necessary for him to submit himself to baptism, which is a, something that sinners need to do? Right, yeah. So, and baptism, the Greek word there is just the word you use for washing something. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's got this image of washing right away that we recognize. Uh, that we see in John, repentance for forgiveness of sins, and then we see it in Christian baptism. As we're baptized, we're baptized into Christ, and then there's this forgiveness of sins that's promised there. Jesus needs no forgiveness, and he needs no repentance. So he's not in the Jordan River because uh, he needs forgiveness. He's in the Jordan River because we need forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And so here's Jesus uh, identifying himself with us. That's the the language I, I remember. I think it was maybe Pastor Daniel preached on this not that long ago, and kept using that language of identifying with Jesus. And uh, as as Jesus identifies with us, uh, that that is the, well, baptism is the gateway by which we're brought into the church. We're united with Jesus in baptism. And so he's in the water there so that we can go into the water. And he's, he's identifying with us because when he's on the cross, our sin is going to be his problem. And through baptism, we receive his righteousness. So, so it's not um, symbolic is the wrong word. It's but Jesus is in in the the water, in order to give us an access point into his righteousness. It's it's similar to what we saw at the birth of Jesus and the and what Mary and Joseph did in following through with all of the requirements of the law you know, making the proper sacrifice and bringing him to be presented in the temple um, at the 40th day. Is that how? Yeah. And so it was like, he's the Messiah. He's God. He should, he should be operating under a separate set of rules. But as you pointed out, his whole life was intended to be lived under the law Mm -hmm. so he could fulfill every law perfectly for us. So he's in the, like you said, he's in the Jordan because we needed to be in the Jordan. Yeah. And and, he, yeah go ahead. Yeah. And, and he, he, I think it's Matthew's account. We get this little debate where John yeah. is like, no, 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 I can't baptize you. I need to be baptized by you. Mm-hmm. And Jesus specifically says it's necessary for us to fulfill all righteousness. And so as God goes about this work of making righteousness available to a sinful human race, this is necessary. This is part of how Jesus is, is fulfilling the will of the Father. And uh, we mentioned last time that John's baptism was not Trinitarian. There's no Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But here there is. You have the Son in the water. You have the Spirit descending on him as a dove. And, and you have the Father speaking and saying, you are my beloved Son. And so Trinitarian baptism just got invented. And it was invented in Jesus so that then as you're baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you're united with Jesus so that, again, my sin becomes his problem, his righteousness becomes my righteousness, and, and God brings righteousness into the human race. I, this is beyond understanding. I can't explain it in a way that I'm going to be like, oh, that makes sense. That's why he had to be in the water. 
but it's also awe-inspiring. This is like the little seam between heaven and earth where God is allowing righteousness into a sinful human race. And it's going to take over. (laughs) And when Jesus returns, it's going to be nothing but righteousness uh, because of this invasion that's that's happening right here as Jesus walks down into the Jordan River. It's it's not insignificant that we that Luke chooses to tell us what that voice from heaven said mm. that this is my son and the fact that he's not, that Jesus is not only God's son but he's a son with whom the father is pleased. Mm-hmm. And I just can't help but think to where this goes with we get almost a very similar, exact same statement from the Father at Jesus' transfiguration when that voice from heaven says, this is my son whom I love, listen to him. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, hey, Peter, James, and John, you've been privileged to see this transfiguration. This is my son, listen to him. Mm-hmm. But that son whom he loves is going to be abandoned by that same Father on the cross in that cosmic moment that we can't fully comprehend right Um, yeah yeah where jesus says my god my god not not my father but my god my god why have you abandoned me why have you forsaken me and in that phrase he's suffering hell again that's that's my sin being his problem jesus separated from the father so that in that unity with jesus where my sin became his problem God's the the Father's love for him becomes his love for me, and I am his child. So as we as we contemplate our role as heads of household, and we think about those within our the walls of our home, how important is it for us to remember our baptism, and for us to truly understand what God is doing mm-hmm. in baptism? Yeah, it's a whole new identity. Yeah, and it's a grace-based identity. It's just, you, well, it just occurred to me. I didn't thought about this before, but the "with you I am well pleased" is before Jesus does all the hard stuff, mm-hmm. and in the same way in baptism, God gives you this grace and this mercy and this gift of love before you turn around and try to serve Him and respond in love and and living out the kind of calling that John the Baptist was articulating in the previous section. And so in this kind of preemptive grace that God gives comes to us in baptism. And that's what we need to live in on a daily basis. If I get out of the bed in the morning and I'm thinking about all the stuff that I'm supposed to do for God, I'm going to have a very different relationship with God than if I get out of bed in the morning thinking about all that God has done for me. And so living in my baptismal identity means I started in grace. And since God has already said, I love you, you're mine, then what I do on top of that gets to be an act of true love, not an act of trying to earn the Father's pleasure. And uh, that, that leads to this beautiful, vibrant relationship with God that you want to have your home filled with. I really like that. And I, I love that uh, idea that as, as the Father is saying to his Son, with you, with you I am well pleased, that that's something that we, we've inherited. So he can say to any one of us, you are my son whom I love. You are my daughter whom I love. I'm with, I'm well pleased mm-hmm. with you. Not because of how good you are, but how good I've made you through Christ, through my son who did everything perfectly for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. 
That, that's, yeah. Luther talks about returning to your baptism, contrition, daily right. contrition and repentance, yes. right? So that's the one side of it. That's mm-hmm. the, the recognition of I need to repent. I need to go back to that place of forgiveness and remember I'm baptized and believe God's forgiveness. Yeah. But the other side of returning to your baptism is also remembering that identity that you have that's already been given to you. You already belong to him. And it's a weapon, if you want to think mm-hmm. about it that way, against Satan, as, as Luther talked about too, when he needed to remember his baptism when he felt the presence of Satan hounding him and limiting him. Mm-hmm. All he needed to do was recall and claim as his, as his the, the blessings of baptism, and Satan's, Satan had no recourse but to back down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At one point, Luther even recommends uh, sometimes you need to commit a small sin, <laughs> just to just to sort of spite Satan and say, you know what, I uh, I live by grace, not by my works. Uh, I don't think I would recommend that officially. But, but send all your letters to please to <laughs> Pastor Carl Anbar. No, but the 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 principle there that I live by grace, and so of course I'm going to sin today. But that's not going to throw me off. It's not going to make me doubt God's love for me or question that that gift of grace. I'm going to live confident that I too am a beloved son. You know, baptism is one of those things that separates Christian denominations, mm-hmm. how we understand baptism. And I think it probably this would probably be as good a time as any to remind our podcast listeners, you know, you mentioned before what the word baptism means. Mm-hmm. The Greek word baptizo means to wash or sprinkle, pour. It could mean to immerse. Mm-hmm. Uh, in our faith tradition, baptisms are done at a font. Water is applied in small quantities. In other Christian churches, it takes place in a river or in a pool or a mm-hmm. bathtub or some such. I think the important thing to remember is that baptism is something that is God is at work. It is not a man-made effort on our part to reach out to God mm-hmm. or to make any kind of claim or statement before God. It's God making a claim or a statement on us. Right. Yeah. And and we don't we most most LCMS churches baptize with a little bit of water. Yeah. But I do know of a couple that immerse. And and, and, the, and, and we're we're fine with that, right? Because what matters is the function of it is what's important, not the form that it takes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it, but really, what does distinguish us is that we believe baptism is God's work. Right. The de- denominations that believe baptism is our work. Then they say, well, you can't do that as a baby. You got to be a little older because you got to make that decision yourself. Mm-hmm. And the only the reason why we don't we don't wait is because if this is God's work, He can do that with my child, who's a you know a week old or a day old, and it's not going to stop God from giving His good gifts and, and um, remind me to come back to fire in the Holy Spirit. I promised I would do yeah. that, but uh, you know, giving His good gifts like the Holy Spirit giving that forgiveness and that grace and that new identity in Christ, all those are there. And then in case we have somebody listening who's into a believer's baptism kind of thinking, just to be clear, we don't believe that that baptism by itself, unaccompanied by Christian teaching, will ultimately result in a disciple of Jesus Christ. Baptism is not magic, but it is a gift from God. And so we give that gift to our kids as soon as we can, and then we add to that the teaching so that they get to know who their Savior is and know how to walk with him and know how to repent of their sins and know how to live in God's grace. And that's kind of the lifelong work of the parent to, to raise kids who know and love the Lord. 
uh, and know what that ba- gift they were given in baptism means. And it, where that's absent, if we just baptize but we don't teach, then that gift gets left on the shelf. It never gets opened and enjoyed, and salvation is lost because you're not saved apart from faith in Jesus. So, so to be clear, we're not not giving our kids magical get out of hell get out of hell free cards at the baptismal font, but we are giving them something really remarkable because we're bringing them to where God is giving life and salvation and forgiveness. And so I think baptism is, as, a, as a family, as a, as a household of faith, needs to be talked about frequently and remembered. Some people like to remember the baptismal date mm-hmm. as if it was a, you know, like a birthday. And I, I think that that's fine. I think more importantly that remembering when you were baptized is to just simply remember that you were baptized. Mm-hmm. And to make it a part of dealing with conflict and dealing with, I think you mentioned in the previous podcast about how sometimes around the, t- the table there, there can be some dissonance or some conflict, and that's just that spirit that needs to be mm-hmm. informed again and reminded mm-hmm. of who we are in Christ, and that can simply calm troubled waters. Yeah, a lot of those troubled waters flow out of yeah, trying to one up each other or trying to you know it's selfishness in right. various forms yep. and when you start with i'm a child of the king of the universe and i have everything it's a lot easier to live an unselfish life right that's it just brings us back in step with god's spirit and that's the again that's the language that we use most in my home is just are we walking in step with god's spirit and when we are it's a beautiful place to be and when we're not we know it we feel it it's also I, I don't think it's a coincidence how Luke well, I don't Luke is simply reporting things in the order in which they happened. Not exactly. He's got John in prison already when John's at the Jordan Jordan River, so oh, okay. he's taken some liberties. But I, I guess I'm thinking about what's happening in chapter four with the temptation of Jesus. Oh, sure. Yeah. Is it it is it does stand to reason that in the in the human life, in your life, in my life, we're baptized and then we're thrown out into the world, or kicked out into the world, mm-hmm. where it's ugly. <laughs> mm-hmm. And for for Jesus, he's baptized, and then he he mm-hmm. goes out. I don't want to get too far ahead of us, but I think that um, it it bears. It, it's good for us to remember that being baptized does not shield you or make you immune from the troubles and hardships of life. Rather, it it gives you protection and. Gives you a foundation that, yeah. you, that you can use. Yeah, it's something to to again just go back to. If I'm if I'm plagued by doubts, mm-hmm. I'm baptized. I I know better than to think I'm not a child of God because I'm baptized. Or if I'm experiencing temptation, I'm baptized. I'm united with Jesus. That's not who I am. I'm not. That's that. I don't. Uh, I'm not going to be satisfied or fulfilled down some road of temptation. So it gives you weapons that you can can go to when you're in spiritual challenges. Another question that just occurred to me is how do we, how is baptism similar and how is it different from the Old Testament practice of circumcision? In, in the sense, is circumcision was that ritual, mm-hmm. outward sign of God's calling and, and claiming on, a, on an individual. Yeah. And there's, there's certain similarities there. Yeah. 
to, to I think the biggest similarity is that they're they're the mark of the community, right? You you know you belong to the community mm-hmm. because you're circumcised or you're the child of if you're a girl then you're the son of a circumcised man or you're married to a circumcised man and then you're part of the community. And so it's that it sets the boundary and marks you as part of the the community with whom God is in relationship. But baptism brings with it these remarkable gifts. The the gift of the Holy Spirit and the gift of the forgiveness of sins and and the, the gift of being a child of God and being united with Jesus and and that's where the immersion form of baptism by the way that's it gives us a good picture of I died to who I once was and I'm coming out of the water somebody new because I united with Jesus so the sinful flesh in me it's a dead man walking it has no future it's dead but the the new the uh, the new me the the new Adam is uh, to who has a future. That's who I really am. Mm-hmm. And so we see that. And that's that's actually the the one thing that um, I did want to say about the genealogy is uh, Luke, in this genealogy, he traces Jesus all the way back to Adam, son of Adam, who is the son of God. Mm-hmm. And so we saw the first son of God, Adam, who was, who was not the son in the same sense Jesus is, but creation of God. We saw the first human being, and we saw him fail, walk into temptation and fail. And then as we turn the page from the genealogy, we'll see the new Adam, the new paradigm for this is what the human race is, and we'll see him succeed in temptation. And so we're being baptized into that new Adam, that new man that God created us to be. And that's not just some sort of theological thing to be interested in. That's everyday relevant because as I'm facing temptation, I know who I am. I'm not going to be satisfied or fulfilled going down the, the road that Satan wants to hold in front of me. The key is to remember it. And I, we've mentioned it in previous podcasts. One of Satan's greatest tactics is to either get us to forget or not believe what our identity is in Christ. And it's so easy to do both of those things. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. For me, it tends to be the there's always so much more to do. And I, I slip into kind of a servant mm-hmm. of God attitude and forget the son, son right. of God kind of thing. Right. There's right. a lot of ways to do that. Yeah. Let me, before we run out of time, because I, I put it off, I do want to talk about the fire. Because in the last yes. podcast, we talked about this this language that Jesus is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And then you get fire immediately in this judgment context, winnowing fork in his hand and the chaff he'll burn with unquenchable fire. And, and I kicked it off to this podcast because we get to talk about baptism and we get to talk about how we are given the gift of the Holy Spirit. So what do you see at Pentecost? tongues of fire. We see this flame coming with the Holy Spirit, and that Holy Spirit dwells in us. So we have this sort of fire image associated with him. Uh, but fire in the scriptures, you see it, it's a judgment image, very strong. The other passage that jumps to mind as I think about fire is in Song of Songs chapter 8, where it describes love and says that that love its flashes are flashes of fire, the very flame of, of Yahweh, and four words for fire all run on top of each other as this description of God's love. And so in baptism, you have this outpouring of the Holy Spirit and you have this this moment of the love of God. But the thing that love has to do is it has to hate everything that hurts the one that you love. Mm-hmm. And that's actually wrath and judgment. So God's love and God's wrath are really two sides of the same coin, both epitomized in this image of fire. God loves me too much to let anything that will harm me continue to exist for all eternity. So that means there has to be judgment. And and so 
that that work, which is on the last day, complete, where God's love for me becomes so overwhelming that all of the evil in the universe is destroyed once and for all, that's already beginning because the spirit in me is holy. There's no room for sin. There's no room for unrighteousness. And so that Holy Spirit is going to be working through my entire life to keep calling to my attention, here's the sin so I can repent of it, <laughs> receive forgiveness, and then take the next step in, in um, walking with Jesus. And as God continues to, to make me more like his holy, his son. And so that, that fire uh, image that Jesus is bringing in his baptism so closely tied with the Holy Spirit is also an image, not just of judgment, but also of, of God's powerful love for us. It's great. Very helpful. And probably would require us to hit the rewind button and listen to that again. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, it's so important. And um, here we were, I, at least I was kind of stressing about how are we going to do a full podcast on three verses and, we're running out of time, and there's probably more that we could say, but we are at the end of our time, and uh, hope this conversation has been beneficial to you. I might just want to add this, because I had somebody come up to me over the weekend and say, you know, that they're listening in, and they're really enjoying it, and then the question was, do you think it would be a good idea if I had my Bible out and open while I'm listening? And I said, yeah, I think that would be a very good idea. So if that's, if that's something that uh, you're doing right now, great. Keep doing that follow-along verse-by-verse with us. And if it's not something that's a part of your time with us, consider doing that so that you're in God's Word really physically with us and um, you might find opportunity to jot a, a, a thought down in the margin or write it on a piece of paper. And if a question comes to you, you can ask us, what you know, what does this mean or what does that mean? But praying that this podcast is really proving to be fruitful for you in your meditation of God's Word. So, on behalf of Pastor Carl, uh, thank you for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you again next time in the podcast room with the Heart of a Shepherd. God bl God's blessings to you. <laughs>